guys, this is Dale Tedder, and welcome to the Walking Points podcast for this week. This week, my friend David Preston and I are going to be continuing our study of the book of James in the series that we are calling Living Wisely in Turbulent Times. This week, we're going to be looking at James 1, verses 9 through 12. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, and welcome to our study of James living wisely in turbulent times. I'm Dale Tedder. And I'm Dave Preston. <laughs> I feel like we should say, and we're here to pump you pump up. Pump you up, yes. <laughs> Probably not a good, a good lead. Anyway, guys, we, uh, we missed last week. We both were very busy last week, and we were here and yawn and couldn't get together, but we are glad to be back uh, for this week as we continue plodding along through James and not just James, but James chapter one. Um, we're not even at the halfway mark yet. So we're moving slowly, taking a leisurely uh, walk through uh, the book of James. But there's so much material here and it's so rich that, uh, you know, what's the sense in hurrying? Uh, the first week we talked about uh, the trials that we, that we all face. Uh, it seemed like a very uh, apropos topic in light of all that's going on in our culture with the virus um, and quarantines and the economy and working and all that sort of thing. So we talked about that and we talked about our need to persevere and how God is molding and shaping our character through that. And then last time we uh, met together, we talked about wisdom and how we need wisdom to help us persevere, to help us grow and mature in our faith and become the, uh, the women and the men that God created us to be and that he has redeemed us to be and that he calls us to be. And uh, we really are um, being molded and shaped by God. Um, one person that I have uh, read a good bit of says that this is a soul-forming world that we live in. And so what we go through um, has the purpose of molding us into the likeness of Christ. I mean, that's the ultimate goal for us being here is to glorify God, to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Uh, Romans 8.29 talks about that. But this morning, or this afternoon, whenever you're watching this, uh, David and I are going to be talking. We'll see how far we get. I'm going to read in just a second uh, verses 9 through 18 of chapter 1. We might not get past verse 12. We'll just have to see and watch the clock. But uh, anyway, David, let me share the screen with uh, for us here. And all right, um, David, I lied to you a second ago. I told you I was going to read it, but I've been talking too much. So why don't you read this for us? Can you see that? Okay. Absolutely, I can all right. see it. Just fine. Read that, and I'll scroll it down as you're reading. Okay, thank you. I was going to wait a minute. How do I scroll this? Okay, <laughs> got it. Um, <clears throat> so here we go. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way. The rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. All right. Thanks, sir. So just before we get out of this uh, screen here, so far, as I just mentioned, we were talking about, um, he jumps right in, right into it, James does, and says, you know, count it all joy whenever you find yourself in trials. Um, persevere in those, uh, kind of know what God is doing. God is molding you and shaping you. I'm using that phrase a lot, but that's what he's doing through those and that we can trust him in that. And we're going to mature and grow um, mature and complete or sort of synonymous in, in Bible usage. Um, and so it's this idea that that is going to require wisdom. So he starts moving into wisdom, our need to pray confidently for wisdom. It's something that God wants to give us because it's his wisdom ultimately, uh, not to be double-minded. And we talked about that a little bit last time um, to pray confidently and not just sort of, well, maybe God kind of sort of, this is what you want to do, but don't feel like you have to, you know, just <laughs> pray with some, you know, certainty and assurance that, you know, what you're praying for is what you really want and that God is able to deliver on his promise. So now he's moving into this believers and humble circumstances ought to take pride. This is the, what happens when I record at home, I have security beepers going off. Um, but believers and humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Uh, the rich should take pride in their humiliation, pass away like a wildfire, a fly, uh, flower, excuse me, sun rising, scorching heat withers. I, David, why is he moving from the trials and the tribulations and the, that soul forming work of God's, the need for wisdom and not to be uh, double minded. And now he's moving into this idea of, I mean, this seems to, seems to come out of nowhere and that you know, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. What, you know, what in the world does that mean? And then almost the reverse with the low, what uh, I'm going to get out of this, but what are your, what are your thoughts with that? Well, I was, as I was reading through this, I, I was thinking about, um, you know, the idea that, that it, it is through the, 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 the trials that our, our perseverance is built and through that perseverance, our faith, you know, and so the person who is in lowly circumstances has probably, has probably faced a lot more trials in their lives, um, you know, has been able to, to overcome um, in a lot more ways, and they have that, that humility built in. Um, I think someone who is in a higher position, um, even, if, even if at some point they may have worked very hard to get in that position, I think it's very easy for them to sort of take that for granted, um, you know, just sort of, sort of assume uh, that that's how the, that's the way things are supposed to be. And it is uh, real easy to start to trust in yourself mm. in that position, as opposed to being forced to trust in God. Um, I'm reminded of the, the words of the contemporary song, you know, when I'm on the, on the mountain, um, I, I bow my head because I know who put me there. And when I'm in the valley, I lift my head because I know who sees me there. You know, God is with us in all those places. And it's a lot easier to be more cognizant of that when you are in trouble than it is when you are just sailing along fat and happy and you think you've got everything, you know, and it, and it's me, 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 and I'm doing it all, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think that's the, that to me is, it really stands out. And, and I'm also thinking about the imagery of the flower 
and just reminded in the the passages from or the passage from uh, the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew five. Um, you know, the, the flower fades, it, it it grows, and then it's it fades away, and it's good for nothing but to be be thrown in the grass. And yet, you know, you're you're worth much more than a flower. You're worth much more than a sparrow. You know, you two sparrows for a nickel or whatever the mm-hmm. the, the citation is exactly. You know, we are we at, we are worth much more than that to God. And so he's going to take care of us. Um, you know, don't worry about those things come and go. Bad times come and go. Good times come and go. Uh, I'm reminded of our, our uh, uh, exploration, you know, of, of Ecclesiastes, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's vanity, vanity, or, or vapor, vapor. It's all yeah. vapor. It's all going to disappear because in the end, it's not what is ultimate. Well, James is even going to talk about that. Um, I think it's chapter five where he's, he uses that phrase. I mean, it sounds very Solomon-esque, you know, about we're a, a vapor, you know, we're don't get to um, be humble when you say, Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. He's sort of like, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I thought about with this is um, it's sort of a theme all throughout, certainly the new Testament. And you, I, we can make the whole case for the, uh, the case for the whole Bible kind of the great role reversal in God's economy uh, of first Corinthians one um, 18, you know, through the end of the chapter where Paul talks about, you know, not many of you were of noble birth. Not many of you were this, you know, you weren't in the in crowd. You were poor. You weren't considered uh, respectable by the world and all that. And he says, you know, hasn't God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Uh, hasn't, you know, God's strength is our uh, weakness is stronger than the strength of the world. And he, he kind of turns everything upside down, much like Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount that you were just quoting, you know, that he, he turns the value system upside down. And so I'm thinking, as I'm looking at some questions here, uh, which is why I'm looking down here, he talks about what is the high position in which the brother without wealth should take pride. And it really is that we, the poor, you know, those who aren't considered much by the world, that we really are rich in faith, which seems right. to be a key component there. And then that the low position uh, should be, and uh, what low position should the rich believer take pride? And one person was saying that he should be humbled knowing that his wealth is temporary, kind of what you were saying, uh, and that it gives him no advantage over the poor. So there's one sense in which we can be uh, uh, confident, maybe not, maybe not proud, but confident because we're rich in Christ. But that also brings great humility, doesn't it? And yes. then those who perhaps have means and things like that, there's a humility in coming that comes from knowing, but I don't have an advantage over anybody before God because there's a great leveling out sort of thing. And each one, I'm going to read a proverb in just a minute. Uh, after you uh, share a little bit with us, but I really think it, it's a powerful proverb that talks about there are pros and cons for the poor and the rich of the world, and both have to watch out for it. Um, because if you start thinking you have value only because you're poor, or you have value only because you're rich monetarily, materially, uh, you're not thinking biblically there. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I was reminded, let me whip a little French on you here. I was reminded of the phrase noblesse oblige. And that's the idea that if you have, if you have power, if you are noble, if you are in the nobility, then you have an obligation that you have to, you have to play. Uh, what does Jesus say? You know, those to whom much is given, much will be expected. Um, and so there is sort of that, that to me is the, is the, is the humility aspect of, look, I've got all of this, but I've got an expectation on me. You know, uh, there, there is, there is a, there is a, there is a claim on this. If I, if I have got this, I can't just use this all for myself. I need to be using this for other people. Uh, I need to, and, and reminded of John Wesley's words, right? Or work as hard as you can, so you can earn as much as you can, so you can give as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of value in that. That that's, that's a humble way of approaching wealth. God doesn't say, don't go out there and work, not work hard. Jesus doesn't say, go out there and don't work hard and earn a lot of money. Right. But he says, hey, be careful because that's really easy for that to become your main focus, your God. If, you've, if you're given that, then recognize, hey, that, that's not yours. Right. <laughs> you're just in charge of it for now. Hey, do you, do you have uh, the message in front of you? Yes, I do. Would you read um, verses 9 through 12 out of the message? I, actually, just 9 through 11. Okay, um, I think it has this broken out this way. <laughs> I think it's, the, yeah, that's what I was just looking yeah. at in mind. So yeah. if, if it's broken sure. down that way, if you'd go ahead and read that, because I think it might be, what you said just kind of reminds me of that. Sure. Here we go, beginning with verse 9. When down and outers get a break, cheer. <laughs> and when the arrogant rich are brought down for, for size, are brought down to size, cheer. Prosperity is as short-lived as a wildflower, so don't ever count on it. You know that as soon as the sun rises, pouring down its scorching heat, the flower withers. Its petals wilt, and before you know it, that beautiful face is a barren stem. Well, that's a picture of the prosperous life. At the very moment everyone is looking on in admiration, it it fades away to nothing. Anyone who meets a a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such person's loyalty is love, I'm sorry, for such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. All right. So that's, I like the way he puts that in verse 12. It's sort of a reminder that, you know, and you're right. I mean, a really good connection with this would be Ecclesiastes and the, um, the temporal nature, the finite passing away fleeting nature, you know, and I remember when we did that study in our Monday evening men's group, we talked about um, all the different words for that idea of vapor or fleeting or smoke. Uh, I mean, just things that sort of stood for not substantial. And for someone to put all their uh, eggs in the one hat of material prosperity or this worldly health or, you know, this world only perspective, you know, a temporal perspective versus an eternal perspective, which really has been a theme that we've been dealing with, um, is to the proverbial, you know, spend their whole lives climbing up, you know, clawing and scratching, climbing up a ladder, leaned up against the wall, only to get to the top and realize you've been climbing up the wrong ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's a lot to put your, uh, it's not a safe basket to put all your eggs in. I guess you could say. Um, I wanted to read a proverb for you, David. Uh, this is um, Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. And um, 
goes along with the question that we've been addressing a little bit. And I'm going to read another question to kind of tie it together. Uh, how is each person's position, so poor or rich, uh, potentially a trial? Because this is still the same chapter, even the same couple paragraphs dealing with trials. So how is each person's position potentially a trial that can bring perseverance and maturity? And I wanted to read uh, Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9. This says, two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither, listen to this, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Then listen to verse nine. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you uh, and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. So on the one hand, the rich run the risk of, look what I got. Why do I need God? I got everything I need. You know, I, I have air, all my needs are met. You know, uh, my hierarchy of needs are all taken care of and everything. I'm, I'm where I want to be uh, versus somebody who is, is poor and then tempted, therefore, and he's going to be talking about temptation in our next, my next time we get together. Um, we're going to be tempted to possibly do some things that are wrong, steal or whatever. Um, and both of those can bring trials, um, but they might be necessary trials to help us, you know, as far as in the sense of it's a way God can use that and bring us to maturity. But what are your thoughts on that as far as that double-edged sword of being so self-sufficient monetarily and materially and all of that versus just being without? And I love the proverb saying, give me, give me my daily bread, which where do we hear that? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Sound familiar? That prayer, yes, the prayer that we were taught that we have to try to remember every Sunday morning as we're standing up there <laughs> without looking at the bulletin. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is why I have mine printed in the bulletin, as a matter of fact, because I've done that. <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen. Um, I once served no. with somebody who <clears throat> drew a blank right before the Lord's Prayer. They just, and that's why I got advice before I even graduated from seminary. They said, Dale, never go up there without a copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Tape it there to your podium um, so that you have it. But, but it is it is that idea, and I'm reminded of the thing, um, and I'm trying to remember where this comes from. Other than I know it is one of the the principles in the in one of the Emmaus things, um, the idea that don't fall into the trap of thinking you are that you are too valuable, and don't think fall into the trap of thinking you are worthless. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and I think that's really the danger there. It is, it is easy. Certainly we can see it's very easy to fall into if you have wealth and so forth to think, oh, well, you know, what do I need God for? I've got it all. You know, I've got mine. I don't need anything else. But it is equally danger to, dangerous to be poor and to blame your status and condition on, on other people, on circumstances, uh, to just live your life in one giant pity party all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a sad thing, having taught in a very poor community um, when I was teaching school, that I ran into that um, quite frequently. The idea that, you know, and, and, and what comes out of that is the idea that somehow, you know, s something is owed to you. Life owes you something because, you know, you're stuck in this position. And when you look at people that actually are able to overcome those things, people that go from extreme poverty um, to success, whether it's, it's accompanied by wealth or not, I mean, that's the thing that's very common about their stories is that the realization that 
you know, they are the ones, they are in in this life and in, and through their actions and attitudes, they're the ones that are responsible for how they approach things. Um, Whether they're going to approach it as a victim, as a victim of circumstance, as a victim of whatever economics or, or as someone who can take, you know, responsibility for themselves. And I, and I would put that in there is, is someone who, you know, if you trust God, then no, you're not just saying, okay, God, shower me with whatever, you know, give me wealth or take away this right. problem. But you realize that God is with you through that and that God can, God can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can make a straight path in the desert when it's dry and rocky and that sun is, is, is hot. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's being in that, in that middle place of recognizing that we have to depend on God you know, and that we can't get too big for ourselves or too small for ourselves, I guess, in, in a way of looking at that. You know what, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was in college, I, you know, I guess it was the 80s. I can just blame it on the decade I was. Uh, it's all that stuff. My formational hair. Yeah. high school and college. Yeah, I had hair and it was dark. Um, but I, boy, I wanted to hit the jackpot of life financially, you know. I wanted to get a high paying job. I wanted to drive the right car. I mean, I really cared for that way too much, sinfully too much. And can I tell you how grateful I am (laughs) that God entered into my life, moved me in a different direction, gave me a different uh, perspective and value system. Um, Not that that's inherently wrong. It's just, I know myself and that would have been an area of weakness for me. I could have trusted in that stuff too much. I could have, uh, and well, I say could have, I would have most certainly probably, you know, uh, again, short of God, just doing a great sovereign work of grace in my life. Um, for me, that would have been a hang up. Um, yes. and, and that's not for others. I mean, I, I, I have known and know people, um, who are generous. I mean, that's one of our big themes uh, for the month of May at Southside right now is generosity. And I mean, people have a spiritual gift of generosity with, their uh, possessions, with their means, with their time. Um, and I don't know, maybe I would have matured and persevered and gotten past that. I don't know, but I just know who I am. And um, I'm just grateful that that didn't, you know, it's kind of like the proverb there. God didn't, you know, he's give, he supplied my every need. He has never, you know, uh, left me and forsaken me. You know, he's always met every, you know, need I've had. So, um, you know, so I'm definitely not on the the poor side of that equation um, that they're talking about in that proverb, but I'm grateful that I'm not on the other just because, again, the way I'm wired, that could have been a, a great pitfall for me. Um, and I, you know, it's interesting, just if, even us talking together, I think I've made more of a connection of how this really goes with the very first couple of verses, uh, three or four verses of this chapter with the trials and the temptations really is what, you know, he's going to be talking about. And our next time we're together, he'll say a lot about, uh, you know, temptations in particular. And we, it's, that's a very rich part. I look forward to exploring, but really just talking with you and, you know, kind of chewing on this together, I'm seeing how this really plays a part in forming us um, and kind of cultivating that character of Christ in our lives through, um, the trials that could come with either being uh, poor monetarily and, and finding your identity in that or being rich monetarily or materially or whatever the right word would be. 
and finding your identity in that instead being humble in both circumstances, because, you know, you realize you're rich in Christ. Um, and that if you are somebody of means, it's only for a season and in the course of eternity, it will be a blip on the dial, you know, very, very small. So I thought we'd finish up by looking at, uh, verse 12, because it sort of ties all this together. Um, I want to read the NIV version again, David. Would you okay. would you find the message version and then kind of read that again right on the right on the heels of me? Okay. Hold All right. On. I've got a transliterate here. All right. <laughs> Let's see well, where it, where it comes in. I think it. Yes. It's, so let, I'll read first, and maybe that'll help okay, you go out. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Um, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Okay. So he's coming back. He's coming got back it. to the idea of trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So read the, the message version of that. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate for such persons loyally in love with God. The reward is life and more life. So the real secret is the reward for this perseverance is life that far exceeds whatever this world has to offer. You know, that abundant life, that living water, you know, the, the bread of life. I mean, just all the different imagery, of the Bible, uh, you know, the, the crown. I mean, here he's talking about a crown, you know, that in a sense, if, if God is the king, uh, you know, we're, we're princes and princesses, you know, that we're, we're royalty in that sense. We are royal priesthood, you know, um, we're called throughout the New Testament. And it really is this idea that, and it takes a change in perspective, doesn't it? That it's too easy to get caught up in what, whatever your circumstances in this world, it can swallow you up and it can cause you to think, you know, really, this is all there is. As opposed to asking the question, is this all there is? <laughs> you know, and I right, think, right. I think how you ask that question is a really important thing. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn back to thinking about you. You were saying, you know, that idea of God providing for us that way. Um, the idea of God's one of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, the, my Lord will, my God will supply all my needs. And also when the Israelites were in the desert, right, they got the, they got the doves and they got the manna and they couldn't get it. They couldn't stock any away, but God was, God provided it for them every day. And that was when they lived, when they, when, when they, when they didn't grumble about it, that was when they really lived in the closest relationship with God. Hmm. was when they put all that aside. And I think that's sort of a, you see that through the Old Testament in so right. many ways, when they, are, when they are satisfied, when they're not trying to be like all the other countries, when they hmm. are faithful. And I think that is a lesson for us um, here, you know, uh, 2,500 years later, 2,800 years later, whatever, uh, 3,000 years later, um, you know, that, that if, if we trust God that way, if we rely on him, God will supply our needs. Mm -hmm. Again, for me, he's not going to give me the, he's not going to give me the Ferrari, you know, <laughs> but he's, but he is going to provide what I need. And, and the more that I trust him, the more that, 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 that will be cultivated. Mm -hmm. um, and that sense of thanksgiving and that sense of sufficiency, yeah. um, a sense of sufficiency. This is enough. This is all that I need. Thank you, God, mm -hmm. for providing me what I need. You know, now let me operate out of whatever is, you know, beyond that so that I can do something else in your name or, or yeah. whatever. 
Um, and that is where the, 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 the stuff gets sticky. It is hard to kind of move on to that point, especially if you're used to just that sufficiency. You know, mm -hmm. it's easy to get stuck in that, you know, and, and to say, well, gosh, I'm going to try to grab, I'm going to try to hold on to what I get. But it is, it is like the idea of grace, you know, mm -hmm. we are, we are vessels that it gets poured through. If we try to hold on to that, we're not going to be able to hold on to it. You know, it doesn't do any good. All right. Now, I think that's uh, what you just said is, you know, worth mm -hmm. the price of coming and checking out the video today because it, it's the contentment and peace and joy and gratitude uh, that comes with sufficiency in God, with trusting in God, um, that you're not always grasping and chasing and, and things. And uh, that's not to say, you know, shouldn't do your best, shouldn't pursue, you know, there's, these aren't at odds with each other, but it's ultimately what you're trusting and where you're seeking that contentment. And, you know, if you have an attitude of, you know, what was it Rockefeller supposedly said one time, how much money is enough? And he said, just a dollar more. Or, right. or something like that. I remember watching uh, Wall Street, again, a reference to my college days in the 80s. Uh, but uh, Charlie Sheen's character was out on a balcony or something overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. And he has this realization, you know, you know how many yachts can I ski behind or something like that. And um, we could easily get off on that. And I don't want to do that. But um, it just really is this idea. Is, are you a content person? Um, where do you seek it? Where do you find your peace? And in the book of Philippians, I mean, Paul very much ties peace and contentment and joy and gratitude. I mean, he ties it in a big bow. And they seem to be under the same gift of, you know, trusting God and uh, relying on God and, and all that comes with that, which I think is pretty important. Absolutely. And, and I think the opposite of that, if you think about that, the opposite of contentment really, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, I'll just throw it out as, I, as I'm processing it, is addiction. It's never, it's never being able to fill that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or at least the concept of it behind addiction, mm -hmm. you know, that it, rather than being content, it's, I need more, I need more, I need more, it's never enough, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that can be drugs, it can be sex, it can be money, it can be power, it can be Ferraris, it can be whatever it is. In my case, it can be firearms, um, <laughs> if I'm not careful, um, you know, but that's always the thing is, you know, what, when is enough, um, right. when is enough? And, and that is, that is the big, that is a big question for us as Christians, you know, to hey, learn and, that sufficiency. And by the way, lest anyone listening to this thinks, you know, we are the official arbitrators of who has enough and who doesn't. That's not what we're saying at all. Right. I mean, that really is right. for each one of you to figure out. I mean, I know how much is enough for me. David knows how much, I guess most of the time I know much, <laughs> I know how much is enough for me and you know how much is enough for you. A good proviso. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let me qualify it. So um, what we're not saying is that, you know, we'll decide how much is enough for you. Um, it's not that at all, but it's really, it's, that's part of the growth process, isn't it? I mean, it's the idea of saying, um, cause I told you, I mean, when I was in college, just a dollar more, I mean, that's kind of the direction I was going, never content. I want, I really, that's where I was headed in my mind anyway. My grades didn't reflect that reality, but that's what I thought was going to happen. Um, and then thankfully God, woke me up and moved me in a different direction. And that was good for me. So, yeah, I just want to make sure I qualify that. Um, anyway, hey, I think we're going to finish up today with that. But um, for those of you who are watching, I'm going to tell you a couple things. First of all, we will absolutely finish verses 13 through 18 next time uh, of chapter one. That's a, it's a powerful little 
kind of a flow chart of how temptation, where temptation comes from, the yes. power it has in our life, what it produces when it's not turned from. I mean, it's, it is gold and you're going to want to read that and meditate on that. And the other thing that um, I just put on my website, daletatter.com, uh, it's on Facebook if you follow David and me on uh, Facebook, but I am doing a, kind of a written Bible study, just, just questions. They're not, it's no commentary. It's not a lot of editorial comments. It really is just asking questions based on the scripture. If that would be helpful for you to look at prior to uh, our time together next week, you can go um, to my website and it's underneath the what I call the study center. And it's the very first one's James. And there's only one lesson on there right now. It's verses one through 18. Uh, but if you want to take a look at verses 13 through 18, just to probably be you know, good for you to take a look at it uh, prior to hearing what we have to say, because we want you to engage with God's word. That's way more important. Um, what the Holy Spirit does is you study his word and more important than what David and I have to say. Um, but um, we hope that what we do say is helpful to you. David, any parting thoughts? No, just uh, it's been a pleasure uh, once again, um, you know, because it is really nice to explore this uh, on, on a, you know, for, for personal benefit. That's the beauty of doing stuff like this yeah. is that, you know, get it just as much. We don't, so there's some things we don't know any better than anybody else. And certainly <laughs> the more times that you review and look at things for mm -hmm. me, that has always been a tremendous value because I always find something different. Yeah. Um, I always find some angle that I've never come at before and it's usually very fruitful. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to do it as well and hope all you guys stay safe and that we'll see you next week. Yeah. That's a, just one more thought. That's, that's a good idea. I may even look at those questions that I wrote just to kind of review them for myself and make sure that I have a clue what I'm talking about next, <laughs> next week, not just making it up as I talk. Um, but this is, it's a, it's a blessing for me, David, and I appreciate uh, your willingness to, to get together and have these conversations. So anyway, well, guys, have a great week. We will see you next Wednesday, verses 13 through 18 of chapter one. David, I'll see you soon. All right. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Well, guys, thank you so much for checking out today's Walking Points podcast. Uh, tune in next week, and we'll be taking another look at the book of James as we seek to live wisely in turbulent times. If you want to check out the video version of this or any written devotionals or other resources, please check out daletetter.com, and that uh, has a, a bunch of resources that I hope will build you up in your faith, strengthen you to walk faithfully with Christ in every sphere of life. Thanks again, guys. I hope you have a great week. See you next time.